0: Hey, hi, uh, I am Richard Donner, but you can call me Dick, and you're listening to Superman Movie Minute? Is that right? Did I do it right? Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Superman 3 Movie Minutes, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can fly this. 1983 Superman 3, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, Rob Kelly. And joining me on this journey through time and space is... Chris Franklin. Chris, this is going to be an exciting five minutes, even more exciting than the previous five minutes, which featured a chemical fire, because we are going to be introducing what I think, right, safely... Is both our favorite character in this movie. Oh yes,
1: most definitely.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we're we're gonna we're gonna get to it I'm very soon. Sure it's all very exciting. So this uh, these five minutes, twenty through twenty five, open with uh, Superman uh, talking to the fire chief, Sergeant A. Pone, as uh, helping educate <laughs> the uh, look into my eyes, Superman, uh, <laughs> as, he, as they try and put out the fire, and it's going to end. Uh, with Clark at the buffet at the uh, at the Smallville uh, High School reunion, and there's a bunch of stuff to get to in between. So again, the scene continues on with there's a massive explosion. We see all the chemical levels are going all wonky, and then the the uh, water the uh, water pressure goes down, and so all of a sudden, all of the water that is coming out of the fire hoses goes down to a trickle, and they realize there's no more. Water and they're like, "Oh, what are we going to do now?" Superman quickly realizes, "Well, where's the nearest water?" And they say, "Oh, there's a lake." And they point him in the right direction, and he takes off. It. Um, I still think his his takeoff is still a little too slow for how fast paced the scene is supposed to be, but it's better than the opening five minutes where it was where he was practically floating. Uh, here, at least, he looks like he's moving with some level of dispatch to. You know, go go do this thing he's about to do and put out the fire. So, and then there is a shot of him, an animated not animated, but a um, blue screen shot of him flying, where he looks like he's actually moving at super speed, which is cool. Something I appreciate
1: yeah i i think the takeoff i see what you mean it's a little but i i it, to me it's refreshing because i'm really tired of superman looking like he's been shot out of a damn uh gun now you know mm-hmm. every time he takes off just that like, sonic boom that happens stuff. And stuff. yeah i mean i mean that's cool but it's like at the same time it's like i'm just i, I remember like it's like remember superman actually just flew he didn't like he could like defy gravity he didn't have to like launch himself like he mm-hmm. does now you know but uh I really like there's a lot of shots in this movie. I know last time, you know, I, I said that about the wire showing. You can't see him here. Uh, I think there's a lot of really nice crane work in this movie where Christopher Reeve is really high up mm, over the yeah. ground. Yes. <laughs> with seemingly nothing under him to catch him. Uh because it's in the shot, the ground's in the shot. So this is another shot where he takes off and it 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 might be a little on the slow side, but I think you know, overall it's pretty effective. And the in the mat shot of him you know flying uh you know the blue screen green screen shots pretty well done, and yeah, he's definitely seems like he's moving out, so yeah,
0: and then and then this we have the establishing shot of him flying over the the planes and stuff, and he looks great he Reeve just looked awesome when he was doing his flying. He just had those sure. fists clenched, uh he looked like he meant business, he was just so so good at that. he managed to really sell it and not look silly or whatever. Uh, I just thought it was just magnificent, so we see where he's headed. he goes to a small pond. Uh, I don't know. I never know what the rules are about ponds versus lakes. I, I think, think so. they say
1: it's a lake. It's Lake Did they Kamu- say it's a lake? Okay. Lake Kamuga, I think. Oh, lake.
0: okay. All right. So it's big enough to be, I think, I think a lake, it's like in the depth or something. I think that's what counts it as a lake versus a Maybe. pond, but I don't know. But anyway, he gets this idea to use his super breath. Hey, he's got super breath. Uh, <laughs> to freeze the entire lake, which he then picks up like a giant slab of ice, which it is. And uh, take it with him uh, over to the fire. Now, there is some water left. Uh, Mm -hmm. We see that. He doesn't take the entire lake. I think he probably uh, freezes the top portion of it and takes that. But I do feel bad for whatever frogs, turtles, or fish... We're in that top part of the lake because they're about to be dumped on a chemical fire.
1: Well, I always took it. I mean, you know, people over the years have said, oh, he froze the whole lake. And people have said that about the animals, the the, the wildlife. But, I mean, he really does just – I mean, the water's there when he goes to pick it up. If you yeah. look, the water's still there. Yeah. And I have to ask, is this the same spot where they filmed Zod and crew landing uh, in Superman 2? It looks a lot like it, doesn't it? Yeah, because when Superman – I love the landing he's got right here because he, he like, comes in at a run, and, and he, then he turns around when he lands. I like that. It's like, you know, it's it, that's a nice bit of uh, – you know, su- obviously Christopher Reeve is still connected to the wires. You can't see him, but obviously he's got to be. So he comes in, and he, like, runs – kind of runs up a little bank and then turns around and runs back and, like, just, you know, quickly runs, runs back and then comes to a stop, and then he starts freezing it. And I love when he uses his super breath how – it's always super tight shirt. He's really sucking those abs in because mm-hmm. his shirt gets wrinkled. Same thing you did in Superman too when he froze that, uh, the, the, the truck that the truck was, engine. Yeah. Yeah. The, not not the, engine, the the tank. Yeah. The, 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 the gas, gas tank. tank. Yeah. Yeah. The, the propane tank or whatever gas tank. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I always just took it that he froze the top of it. But so I figured like, you know, as soon as the, whatever, creatures were in the water like they hit the bottom as as right. you know as soon as that you know so he didn't really he didn't catch too many if any You right. didn't see any of them in the you know like sticking up out of the ice or anything thank
0: goodness so yeah thank goodness <laughs> Aquaman would be very mad at that uh Superman what are you doing so right. he pick he picks up this giant slab of ice which of course you recreated using a uh amigo doll and uh and some and some ice over it over at uh uh stately franklin manor which was uh very nice I, I appreciated the uh was that a was i forget was the the doll that you used what what superman doll was that
1: oh that was the uh the mattel uh d c multiverse the three and three quarter of uh, of uh, Inch figure from gotcha. a few years back. Yeah. Okay. All right. They made no, a Superman were... and a Zod that are pretty nice. Look like Christopher Reed and Jared stamp. Cool.
0: Cool. 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 All right. Yeah, that was great. That was. I enjoyed that very much. So uh, he dumps the uh, top portion of the lake onto the chemical fire. Of course, it's, we see that it breaks up into a million pieces and then turns into water. I, the water doesn't look like it is falling at enough of a volume to really put out all those fires. But at the same time, I've seen that in real life where you see those. Uh, those planes go over fires and they're dropping water and the water just never looks like there's enough water to really put a fire out, but it must work because firefighters do it. So it doesn't, it doesn't look plausible, but I, it's from real life. So I guess that's, that's how it works.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it. You know, it looks like it's raining fairly hard. It's not like a deluge, yeah. Uh, like you're saying, um, but uh, maybe it was you know Superman was conscious enough to. Well, I don't want to flood the area either, so mm-hmm. uh, I'll just take this much water. I do think it's kind of funny that one shot. Of the Of the ice, like Superman's like a tiny little thing, and in the back, like the the front of the like he's at the back of the big iceberg and and you know it looks like the uh, star destroyer coming across the sky <laughs> kinda, you know, so I, I will say when when he drops it 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 um, you know it I think they probably if they cut it just a second before because it kind of shows it breaking up It's the an animation of it breaking up, and then then there's kind of like nothing. And then it cuts to the rain starting to come down. I wish they kind of cut that scene where there's nothing there, you know, because I think it would have kind of sold the effect a little bit better. But that's just being nitpicky doing a podcast. But okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. but I mean, I, I, I mean, it's it, it's a cool I know some people moan, oh, it's when we froze. Like, I think it's always I thought it was cool when I was a kid. And I mean, come on, guys, it's a Superman movie. This is if you're trying to look for like I mean, I know we don't want like super silly stuff, but. At the same time, guys, I mean, anything Superman does is just completely implausible, honestly. I mean, He does turn the world back in the first film. <laughs> exactly. I mean, John Byrne can kind of try to explain it, biochemical aura and all that telekinesis, whatever. He he flies and he's invulnerable. That's, you know, try to explain it away all you want. You can't. He can freeze the top of a lake and drop it on a fire and put it out. How's that any different? You know, I, I, I don't get it. I, to me, that's just like you're splitting hairs when you're... You know, when you're starting to argue that, well, that's just silly. Well, if you look too far, it's all kind of silly, guys, but we all love it. So, you know. <laughs> it's a very Kurt Swan, Superman kind of thing to do. Isn't it? It, it is. Kind of it's yeah. a very, I mean, it's something that Julius Schwartz would sit around with Carrie Bates and Elliot S. Magan and, well, I think Superman should do this, this. Come up with a story where Superman does this, you know, <laughs> basically, and send them on their way, you know.
0: <laughs> I it, it mean, it, the way it works in this movie, it would basically, that'd be the kind of thing you would have seen Superman do. On page three of a story, where you know he get when we when we gets to like page six is when he fights Brainiac. That's the big part of the story, but right. it's just a little intro thing. So yeah, it's fine. I look, I say, I will say, for the first couple of times I saw this movie, I always thought that he did the whole lake, and and I will say that bothered me because I was like, well, there's animals in there. But when I rewatched it, you can very clearly see it's not the whole lake. It's the top part of the lake. So they took the time. To, to render the water underneath the piece that he picks up, so I'm like, oh, okay, I was just wrong. That's all. I was just wrong."
1: I can go ahead, I guess. Now it's probably by the time this drops, it'll be it'll be, have aired enough time it'll be since it first aired that it, people won't yell at me for spoiling it. But in the very first episode of the new Superman and Lois series, there is a uh, uh, nuclear power plant that is is going critical. Uh, Superman goes to the ocean and freezes a big swatch of it. And picks up a huge iceberg and drops it on top yep. of the on top of it. To, it's a Superman three. It's also a little bit like the Superman Returns Kryptonite Island thing too. But yep. it's it's definitely Superman three all over the place. And that scene, which was cool to see, so yeah,
0: yeah, I, yeah, it's completely. It, I thought it looked fine there too. So it's, yep. it's all good. So we said uh, we see Watch uh, Sergeant a. Pone watch Superman as he as he flies off. He's handled the. Uh, He's handled everything. So now we we cut to, uh, I guess, presumably either later that night or the next the next night at the uh, the class reunion at Smallville High. And there's a sign there's a banner that says, welcome to the class of 1965. And we see a bunch of people in tuxes heading into the to the school. So the class of 65, which means Superman is 35 years old. That's what that means by by Earth measuring. He is 35, which seems about right. Now, I know Christopher Reeve wasn't that old, uh, but Superman, to me, Superman should always be around 35. That, that's, I know DC always used to say him and Batman are frozen at 29, but to me, 29 is a little too young yeah. for how much they've done. But 35, that seems about right, although at, at the age I'm staring at now, 35 seems very young.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that actually jobs with uh, if you do the math in the first movie that he was at the fortress for twelve years. So, and he was like thirty in the first movie. It's been five years since yeah. the first movie came out. So he was born in nineteen forty. He was he arrived on Earth in nineteen forty eight, is what they're
0: saying, and that that tracks with the fashions that Mon Pa, Ma and pa Kent were were wearing uh, and the truck and everything else. You know, so it, yeah, it, it it all it all holds together. Um, so we see this uh, extended sequence in the, uh, in the in the in the reunion of people dancing. We see the big Smallville S. Uh, there we see you hear some Beatles music playing. Mm-hmm. We uh, and then we get our introduction of uh, Brad, played by <laughs> played by Gavin O'Hurley. And I mean, you know, uh, this was just before Bruce Springsteen put out Born in the U.S.A. So uh, the, the song Glory Days did not exist yet, but this is Glory Days. Because yes. we see Brad, he doesn't look great. His tux is un- unfurled. He's got a little bit of a gut. And he's clearly been uh, you know, ridden hard and put away wet. And he's standing there posing next to his high school picture, already going on and on about his great old high school days. So very clearly we could see Brad has peaked uh, already. But uh, And so he's reliving his glory days with anyone who will listen here at the, uh, the, the uh, class reunion.
1: Yeah, Brad is Al Bundy about four years ahead of himself. Pretty much. <laughs> um, he is played by Gavin O'Herlihy,
0: who has a lot of different credits, uh, a lot of TV stuff. He was on the TV series, miniseries Lonesome Dove. He had appearances on China Beach, Twin Peaks. He was in the James Bond movie, Never Say Never Again. He made one appearance in the 1970s Spider-Man TV show. So there's another comic book connection. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> His most renowned credit, I think by anybody's standards, is he played Chuck Cunningham on Happy Days. He is the brother of uh, of Joni and Richie who mysteriously disappeared during that show's initial run. So yeah, this this is Chuck Cunningham, Gavin O'Hurley.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, I didn't even realize that he's technically there's there's technically three Chucks according to uh, your buddy Daniel Budnick's Rockin' All Week With You uh, podcast. uh, He is, uh, there was one on the pilot that was on Love American Style. Uh, He is the first Chuck on Happy Days Proper, and then for whatever reason, he didn't come back as Chuck for season two, and that Chuck made two appearances, and then Chuck was literally sent to the Phantom Zone where he, (laughs) at some point, you know, uh, Howard Cunningham, says in the last episode he talks about my two children my two children yeah Chuck is literally I mean there's like there was some maybe when Fonzie jumped the shark it was like Superboy Prime punching a wall or something (laughs) I don't know it literally erased Chuck from existence I don't know Red skies over Milwaukee yeah yeah well hell Mort came so it could be that whole time you know. I don't know possible. It's it's possible. Impossible. So yeah, I, and there was that whole weird time thing with uh Blancy's Beauties taking place in the 70s even though it was a spin off of Happy Days in the 50s. <laughs> so so yeah, it's it's really weird. But yeah, Gavin O'Reilly, I know him best from Chuck Cunningham this and Willow. So uh, he's,
0: Right, he's in Willow too, but he has one he has one other connection that I wanted to mention because it's relevant to my interest. He is the nephew of TV director Michael O'Hurley. Michael O'Herlihy has a ton of TV credits, but the one that jumped out at me is he directed the second ever episode of MASH mm. to market to market. Uh, he is the only episode of MASH he ever did. Uh, but but nevertheless, uh, you know, again, connect, connecting up to one of my other shows. He is the nephew of director Michael O'Hurley, So so there you go. Um, but, uh, yeah, so again, look, we were talking about in the previous episode with Shane Rimmer, how he was in a Superman and Batman. So now you've got Gavin O'Hurley, who has been with Superman and Spider-Man. So yep. he, he's straddling all sorts of universes here uh, with that. So, uh, yeah. And of course, Brad will feature pretty prominently in this movie. We're going to get back to him in a minute. We meet another character, uh, Minnie, who is presumably an old teacher, uh, from Smallville. Her, she is played by Enid Saunders. She's obviously a senior citizen. This is her first movie credit. She was in other movies like Backfire with Karen Allen, my beloved Karen Allen. And -hmm. look who's talking. Uh, She passed away not that long. She only has 15 credits. So I don't know if she was someone who was not an actress and then got into it or maybe she was a stage actress and she just never did movies. But her movie career, movie TV career was fairly brief. And so this is this is her first uh, first credit. And she was Clark being a nice guy. Uh, talks to her. He talks to the teacher, and she talks about what a nice boy Clark was. But that is all prelude (laughs) to what we're about to get to. Uh, Because right in the middle of him talking to Clark, talking to Minnie, we see the luminous Lana Lang as played by Annette O'Toole. So, Chris, let's just take a moment to appreciate Annette (laughs) O'Toole in this movie, because (laughs) she's wonderful, and she is the best thing in Superman 3.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, she's the best new thing, definitely, in Superman 3, yeah. Uh, Yeah, most definitely, yeah, I I just, she's great in this movie, and her and Christopher Reeve just have an instant chemistry, you totally believe that they, they were, you know, over the moon for each other in high school, but they just wouldn't admit it to each other, they just, it just never worked out, I mean, we saw some of that in the first film, you know, Lana wanted Clark to go with him, and Brad was being a, Still weed then, too. And, <laughs> and, and you know, he got in between them. And you just, I mean, you instantly buy it that these two are just delighted to see each other. It all comes back to them as soon as they see each other. And she's just great. And apparently she was a big Superman fan and she just got like all gaga when she saw Chris Reeve in the costume. Uh, if you see any interviews with her on any of the documentaries or anything, which I just think's great. And of course she is a significant actress in superman history beyond this so
0: yeah of, right uh, of course yes she would go, <laughs> right. everyone knows she played ma Kent on smallville she had a bunch of really interesting credits right around this time she was uh, a genuine i don't want to say maybe movie star but she was an up-and-coming actress she was in movies like cat people the remake of cat, paul schrader's remake of cat people she's yep. in 48 hours i love that movie uh, she's mm-hmm. kind of wasted in that movie but but i love her in it uh, she she was nominated for an Oscar for Best Original Song for A Mighty Wind, uh, the Christopher Guest movie, because, of course, she is married to uh, – or maybe she's – I don't know if they're married. Maybe I should jump – I shouldn't say I that think too. they're married. I think they're married yeah. Married yeah. to Michael McKeon uh, yeah. from, uh, you know, all the – this is Spinal Tap and all the Christopher Guest movies. And she co-wrote the song that Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara sing in A Mighty Wind, which was nominated for an Oscar. She was also in the, the uh, TV miniseries Stephen King's It. Uh, And she was in another movie that very few people have seen, but I really like. And it's a romantic comedy called Cross My Heart with Martin Short. And uh, that's a really delightful movie. It's very charming. They have some nice chemistry. And she is similarly, I mean, we're going to have to really kind of rein this in because we are going to go on and on about Annette O'Toole for the next 20 episodes of this show. (laughs) But Annette O'Toole manages that weird tricky balance of being approachable and cute and also sexy and yes. that is not something that everyone has exactly there are some people who are very sexually attractive by any sort of metric by how we judge these things but they don't appear approachable they you know they appear a little godlike or even a little scary uh and then there are people who are very cute and don't necessarily have a lot of like sexual heat and Annette O'Toole has both those things. Uh, she's yeah. just absolutely – part of it is the part she's given to play. She's adorable as Lana Lang. But, but in this movie crossed my heart. I saw that movie when I worked in my uh, video store days. And I just immediately fell in love with her. I just thought she was so adorable and so alluring in that movie. And I was the only person I knew that ever had seen it. So it felt like its own little private thing for me. I was like the only person that had ever seen this movie.
1: Yeah, I, I'll be honest. When I was a kid – I, you know, I mean, obviously I was, you know, I was a kid, so I, I didn't, I mean, there were, there were girls like, like Linda Carter and Yvonne Craig and, and, and women like that, that were in TV shows that I kind of had a crush on. And, but I, you know, obviously, you know, girls had cooties, but the, I still like, <laughs> I was obviously very straight even when I was a little kid. Uh, but, um, but it, it, it was something I, I didn't get Margot Kidder. I mean, I can appreciate it. I'm not trying to throw off on Margot, but it was just, I didn't. I didn't get, I didn't find her attractive as a kid, but Annette O'Toole, I instantly did. You mm-hmm. know, just, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm not, I'm not throwing off on Margo. Margo's very pretty and, and she's got, very, got other qualities that are, make her a great Lois Lane. I'm not saying one's better than the other. I just, there's just, Annette O'Toole is just like more, I guess my type of attractive, yeah. you know, I just, it, she just did things for me more then and does things more for me now. And, uh, the dress she's got on in this scene, I'm not going to, I don't want to be crude, but yeah. Just watch the scene. Um, She's great. uh, (laughs) Yeah, she just looks fantastic. She looks lovely. Uh, And she's just so sweet. I mean, instantly, you know, you're just like, oh, man, Clark, this is your chance. You know? Yeah, man. Yeah. This is Clark's chance. Yeah, it's just, it's great. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And there's a really nice touch. I have to presume it was the work of Richard Lester, or maybe it was the editor. I don't know. But when they see each other, we immediately cut to... These stand up black and white photographs of Lana back when she was in high school. And then we cut to Clark and then we get a cut to Christopher Reeve or Clark Kent as a teenager. And those photos are in this room. We can see them in the background, actually. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not as though, um, uh, Richard Lester's not getting sort of uh, abstract with us where we're flashing to something we're not seeing. But nevertheless, I thought it was a great touch that mm-hmm. we are flashing back to what these two looked like when they met each other. And clearly they are rekindling whatever spark uh, was dormant. And, and think about all that Clark Kent has seen since he saw Atlanta last, all that he's done. He's gone back in time. He's fought three supervillains, you know, I mean, he's done a lot. He spent
1: 12 years listening to his dad drone on and, yeah, and on and on. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
0: hearing, yeah. Hearing things about trees and stuff. I mean, and, but yet the minute they see each other, there's that spark. And I just thought that was a really great touch to cut to their black and white photos of each other back and forth. I just think that's a, that's a nice detail. And again, I don't know whether that was Lester, whether I I doubt it was in the script, but it might've been the work of the editor who thought to put it together. I don't know. Although the shot, they would have had to have get those, those singles. So probably Lester. Um, And, and you know what? I mean, you know, throughout the course of this series, we are going to, at least I am going to dunk on Richard Lester here and there. And we already have a little bit. So I want to make pains to compliment him when he does something really nice and I just thought that's a great little detail because this is this is a hard lift because we you have to convince uh, the viewers that there's a shot at this, romance yeah. Because there, I mean, everyone knows Lois Lane. There's a TV series right now called <laughs> Superman and Lois. It's not called Superman in Atlanta. It's called Superman and Lois. Everyone knows Superman and Lois are destined to be together, but we have to. The audience has to buy in to some extent. Atlanta right. might be good for Clark. This might be a match that might work. And by setting, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not gonna, I'm going to already go into a little too much about it. It's not like, you know, the greatest thing ever in history. But it's a nice touch that helps ground the romance, which in a lot of ways, again, I think will be the best thing in this movie.
1: Yeah, I agree completely, and I mean, you know, for outside audiences who weren't comic fans, I mean, us as comic fans, we knew who Lana was. We knew yeah. she was Superboy's sweetheart. She was always, you know, there was there was always some, you know, flirtation with her, and you know, she was either trying to prove that Clark was Superboy, or or you know, she was after Superboy, or you know, but then then she moved to Metropolis, and and you know, there was that you know rivalry between her and Lois, and I mean, at this point in the comic books, Clark and Lana are dating. Uh, I don't know if it happened after this movie or right before, but during this period, they're an item like Superman and Lois breakups, even that DC sampler ad that Gil came That's King, right. <laughs> you know, I remember Superman that. Superman and Lois split Clark and Lana dating, you know, or whatever it said. Uh, so, so we knew that Clark and Lana could be a thing, but for the general audiences, all they know is Superman and Lois, you know, so like you said that, you know, it, and it takes, I mean, good on them for, for, you know, hiring Annette O'Toole and like seeing that her and Christopher Reeve have this chemistry together uh and, you know, just instantaneously. But like you said, the way Lester does it sets that shot up and Annette O'Toole looks like she hasn't aged at all no, since she was no, in high school. Doesn't. And Christopher Reeve, it's kind of funny because we're we're used to seeing like early photos pre-Superman of Reeve as this gangly guy, you know, from his like screen test and stuff. But he was pretty thick and looked pretty well built uh, in that he's got like a big thick neck in that high school photo. It's like, oh, so he was kind of Superman built, maybe a little more Superman-like when he was a teen, and then he lost, he kind of slimmed down in his college years, maybe, his Juilliard years, and now he had to bulk back up to get in the Superman shape. I just think it's kind of funny. But, uh, of course, Jeff East gets screwed out of a picture here. And, you know, nah, but, uh, yeah,
0: that's right. <laughs> and, and, and his putty nose, yeah. Putty nose. Uh, we were all familiar in Superman lore of, like, the other actresses that tested for Lois we know about like Holly Plant stood in at one point and Ann Archer almost got it. And yeah. there were, the, you know, they've retained the screen test of Stocker Channing. I think it was down to those three. It was Stocker uh, Channing. Leslie Ann Warren and Lizzie her. Leslie Ann Warren, that's the other one.
1: It looked um, like she's coked out of her mind. Yeah, the coked
0: up, yeah, the cooked up Lois, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, as far as I know, and I haven't done the, uh, the extensive background the way I have for the other two movies, but I've never heard of any other actress that was tested for Lana. Never, i've never heard of that it's a, it was always just an arrow tool and i don't know whether they oh you know she was penciled in from the beginning and it was like oh yeah she's great let's move on i mean presumably there must have been some sort of list of actresses that they could have uh that they were considering but i've never heard it and i i've never heard of any uh screen tests or any alternative takes that, that might have been in preparation for this so it seems like it was an arrow tool from the from the very beginning and uh and th- these five minutes are going to end at the uh they go to the, uh, the punch bowl table and uh, Lana, we see that Lana is sort of the social butterfly. She's helping planning things. She runs over to the DJ, hands him some records. (laughs) She grabs a big ladle full of like potato salad or whatever it is. in that giant bowl that, uh, that that they've got there. She hands it to Clark. And of course he doesn't know what to do with it. He's doing Christopher Reeve doing his classic sort of Cary Grant, you know, Oh, you know, you don't know what he's doing. And then Brad of course wanders over and Brad immediately starts giving Clark some nonsense. And, Like you were just talking about, it's like, Clark Kent is huge. (laughs) Like, how does, I mean, I know that if you're kind of a nerd and you're uh, unsure of yourself, and that's the role Clark is playing to the hilt, that if you're a bully, you're going to lean into that. But still, I mean, there's one shot of the three of them and Clark Kent is a hair taller than Brad and certainly wider. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know, Brad, I don't know if I'd be picking on Clark Kent cause he's, he's like a big, he may have been a nerdlinger when you knew him, but he's a pretty big dude.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, Christopher Reeve, especially he's in that white tux, white tux jacket. And he, he kind of looks like a, you know, classic Connery James Bond, uh, yeah. you know, just, he looks nice, but, uh, uh, it's almost like the way Frank Quitely drew uh, Clark Kent in All Star Superman. You know, he's like this huge, giant, broad-shouldered beam that's standing in the middle of a room. You know, and this, and here's all you know, gangly Brad walking up to him with his beer gut, and it's like, you know, and he, it's like she, 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 making fun of his glasses and all that. It's like. Yeah, it's like, dude, he could even if he wasn't Superman, he could snap you in half. You yeah,
0: he <laughs> could show a movie on his back. His shirt is so white <laughs> and wide. I mean, my God. So yeah, but but we also know Brad's a little a little tipsy already. So right. and he's re- and he's reverting to old patterns where he right. could pick on he could pick on Clark, and he's still assuming he could do that, but he doesn't realize that Clark has gone off and become a major, uh, as he put it, metropolitan uh, sophisticate. Yeah, and, right. Uh, uh, you know, and of course he's the man so, and that's that's where our five minutes ends is our our three characters here at the punch bowl. And uh, in the next five minutes, we're going to go on with the, uh, the class reunion, but that is where we are stopping here with uh, we said our, our major introduction of uh, Lana Lang.
1: Yeah, I, it's wonderful. I, I just, a few things that I noticed that uh, Lana says something about, you know, you haven't been back to this little Berg since your mother passed away. Uh, so Maul Ken has passed away uh, since uh, the first film. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, that's something we weren't informed of before. Uh, so that's, that's significant in the continuity of the films. And I, I will say that at that same, right in that same exchange, Clark, like, you know, basically says, you know, uh, ask Lana about her divorce across the busy dance floor. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh man, dude, that's not really cool to ask somebody about that. Especially somebody you haven't seen in, you know, 15 years or however long that you know, 20 yeah. or 20 years, I guess, 20 years. So. Yeah, uh, you know it's it's that's kind of not cool, Clark. Uh, but uh, but yeah, no other. Th- I love the bit with the potato salad. She brings the like paper plates to the disc jockey, the DJ, and he's like, "What am I supposed to do with these?" And th- yeah, it's 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 a lot of. Now this is the type of silliness that it doesn't take away from their interaction. It's just like in the background, and it makes it cute. I mean, this is this is the type of of humor. Light humor and stuff that, that just that blends in with the movie, doesn't pull you out of a Superman film. It's just part of it, and it make, it's it's endearing. You know, it 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 makes you like those characters that much more. It's a really great scene. Totally, totally. So uh, that's going to do it for uh,
0: these five minutes of Superman 3, and that's going to do it for this episode of Superman 3 Movie Minute. Of course, we're always talking Superman movie stuff over on Twitter at Superman Move Men. You can uh, We want to read your comments about the, these five minutes over on our website, com. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Amazon Music. And, of course, you can leave us a review. On Apple Podcasts, we would very much appreciate that. Uh, we haven't thanked uh, our uh, progenitors, Alex Robinson and Pete the Retailer, who, of course, pioneered uh, the Movies by Minute format, and they've been very generous in allowing people to borrow it. And so we need to make sure we thank them for allowing, again, us and uh, so many other people to create uh, these movie by Minute shows. And you can see all the Movies by Minute shows over at moviesbyminutes.com. And then finally, if you want to support the Fine Water Podcast Network, You go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast, and there you can unlock various rewards, one of which is to be name-checked on a show of your choice. So a big thanks to Superman's pal, Henry Bernstein, for his support of Superman 3 Movie Minute. So that is going to do it. Uh, Come back next time as the adventure continues with Superman 3 Movie Minute. Giorgio, per favore. E grazie.